This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com. The only place to be in your pop culture world. Come on, come on. It, we call it the uh, the place. The place to be. Yes, the place to be. Then I shall be. It is contagious. It is the place to be, and we are live each and every Monday. Do you actually need a camera for tout, or is it like part of the program? Um, yeah, I like Big Dick myself. I'm just kidding. Do you listen at all when I speak on the show? Party people in the place to be. Yo, yo, place to be is on my side, dude, because you don't want to be the target when I fly the coop. Nah, place to be is on my side, dude, because you don't want to be the target when I fly the coop. Place to be nation proudly presents a powerful pair of pro wrestling pundits. It's JT Rosero and Scott Criscolo, and this is the Place to Be podcast. They're in the place to be, and if a sucker step up, then he's bound to get served when the three get bond. Fresh is a word, and yo, haven't you heard? It's some real in the peas, and they got you got yourself Place to be nation. Welcome back to the one and only Place to be podcast. Here because Justin Rosero can be sure you here from the PTB and studios. Joining me as always is Mr. Scott Criscolo. Scotland, how are you? JR, uh, good evening. Good evening, No So, and the PTB Wrestling Network family. Welcome to episode 646 of the longest running episodic by the fucking gold standard. Uh, February it is. Man, when we started the show, Scott, you were uh, you were less old, and now you're just old. <laughs> so it's been a long time. It's better to being old and older. I'll take that. So, uh, anyway. um, and this is a pretty special episode, though, um, because it's our 13th birthday, Scott. So happy it birthday is. to you on the Place to Be podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, the show started on February 11th, 2011, yep. and uh, air date on this is February 12th, 2024. So uh, fun right. little episode here, and we have a great guest, I think, to help us celebrate. He's a longtime fan of the show, um, yep. longtime fan of everything, and uh, you see him often on the North South Connection. Of course, this podcast is being simulcast both audio. On Place to Be Nation Wrestling Podcast Network and video at the North South Connection. So if you want to watch us and see us celebrate this birthday occasion, you can see our guest as well. And he is, uh, of course, a member of the band Chain to the Dead, and is uh, again you see him across all of our various podcasts and elsewhere. Mr. Rocco Martel, Rocco, how are you, dude? I am awesome. That I didn't know I was going to be part of such a momentous episode. That's a that's it's wild. A surprise there you go. Welcome to it's the party. crazy to think it's crazy to think I've been listening to you guys talk for 13 years, and you think you think about that, and you really add up the the number of episodes and the hours of the day that I've spent listening to you, gentlemen. It's pretty fucking crazy. <laughs> it is. Like, yeah, it's true. It's, it's it's rewarding. It's also sad. Um, but there's a lot in between those two things as well. Um, and we're happy to have you here to help us celebrate I mean, this. I- my first episode, I think, was five ninety nine, and now I'm like the fifth guy or sixth guy in the new format. I mean. 
if I was on MySpace, I'd be in your top eight or something like that. It seems like <laughs> you're in pretty good. Oh, I'm not gonna make any comments about the trajectory. I, I I hurt poor Steve Riddle's feelings, but I went. I said we went from Chad to Steve to Jordan. I was, it was more of a joke about Jordan, but I think I insulted poor Steve Riddle, which I didn't mean to do. We love Steve. Um, heart of gold on that boy. But uh, it is good to have you here. Uh, I will put you over because you are often a member of the Cronoso podcast here on North South Connection, where we're chronologically going through. Um, the history of WWF in various forms. So we're doing pay-per-view series of events, some house show stuff, some TV stuff. Ryan Gray puts a shitload of work to getting that out every other week. Um, but your your segments, Rocco, are usually some of my favorite. I find that your storytelling ability to bring you into the match in the moment um, is really strong. So I wanted to, I don't know if I ever told you that, but you are you are my favorite on the Cronoso series. Um, just because I think you do a great job of uh, even the most minutia of, of yeah. the most random matches, like you, you make sound, ex- you know, punches, and this sound exciting, and 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 bring that out. So, no, like so my birthday genuine, gift to you. Oh, I really appreciate that. The genuine uh, yes. enthusiasm that you're hearing. Yeah, and also, uh, sorry, Steve Riddle, because I think he's on that too. So you're. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's great. It's I love listening to him. Honestly, I'm behind, but I like listening to him. Your my favorite that you did was uh, Survivor Series '87. The promo leading up to the the main event, like I think you did, like the Hogan, Hogan team and the Andre. I don't know if you did both, or I figure which ones you did, but you really set the stage wonderfully for the main event by going through that promo and breaking it down the way you did. So. I mean, I do like to watch wrestling and look at it in the ways that like can ramify throughout and like really like it's not necessarily like it's like like what we're doing tonight. It's not necessarily the yeah. destination. It's the journey. It's the the squeeze that uh, the, the juice. You know, like it's just I don't know. Just so, there's so much there if you really want to go beyond the headlocks and the takedowns and stuff like that. Right? Cool. Well, mm. I appreciate it. I agree. Uh, I speaking really of journeys, that. Ryan Gray and, and I are on a journey right now. Uh, we're on a daily journey, bringing you a breakdown of every WrestleMania match ever, 402 of them. Uh, we're doing them in short format. So everyone is a minute or less. Uh, we rank them all and uh, like five a day or so hit on our social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook Reels, and YouTube Shorts. So if you want to catch up, you're new to it, you haven't heard about it, Go to our YouTube channel, No Cell Connection. Go to the, the playlist. There's a playlist for No Cell Countdown, every WrestleMania match ever. And again, they're less than a minute, but we're doing every single one. Um, and the final number one will drop WrestleMania Saturday this year. That's the goal anyway. So check that out if you haven't seen it yet. And uh, all right, why don't we go to dive in, Scott? Our new project here, Making Towns. We bring our guest in. They uh, talk about a town or, or city or wrestling history. It's important to them. Pick a match that we'll watch toward the end. Uh, but first, we'll talk about kind of what happened that week in history and pop culture, get into the history of that town before watching the match. Rocco. So before we dive in, why don't you go to tell us what shitty you picked uh, and the match you picked and why? Uh, we're going to go to East Rutherford, New Jersey, SummerSlam 89, the uh, Savage and Zeus versus Beefcake and Hogan. Uh, I picked it just because it's the when you said it, I kind of assumed everyone would kind of pick their, their hometown. And I guess not everyone does have a hometown venue. Like uh, the Meadowlands was five minutes, 10 minutes from my house. Literally, uh, I could uh, throw a rock and get there. I used to go there for the racetrack, the stadium. My first concert ever was a giant stadium. Face the more Guns N' Roses and Metallica. Um, kind of hard to. <laughs> and that's your first show. Yeah, it's, it's, hard to come down, it's like uh, your first uh, bagging Heather Locker for your for losing your virginity. But man, like it's just. I just had to pick it, and it, it, there were certain that happened. I don't know. There's more unique things, but they mostly had TVs. They only had a handful of pay-per-views, right, or big shows. 
Oddly enough, I did think about doing the Ric Flair uh, beating Sting when they made the WCW title in 91. But I don't yep. know if that's even available anywhere to watch. And it doesn't really have that much emotional resonance to me. So that would have been more cool. This was just like, and we'll discuss it more when we watch the match. But it just was an important match. It was towards the end of my deep, deep love uh, of WWF. You know, I was getting a little older. I think I was 13, 12, turning 13 when this happened. And we'll talk about that later. But yeah, so it just it just popped in my head instantly. And it's a it's a great town. It's got a lot of history. And uh, we'll talk about that later. A lot of dead bodies, too. Um, <laughs> this, uh, no, it's an interesting one to pick um, for sure. Because like you said, not a ton of pay-per-views because they do end up running into that whole was it the tax issue whatever it is, right? With the sports, the sports entertainment. Sports, and, eight right. years. They didn't do a show yeah. between SummerSlam 89 and SummerSlam 97. Right. I mean, it might Christine Todd. Too many yeah. wrestling fans know the name Christine Todd Whitman. Like, no one else probably know that. But it's, it's such a wrestling thing, right? That, like, we know all these random people and terms and places that you would never know otherwise. Like, no one outside of wrestling and maybe that area of New Jersey knows – or from New Jersey yeah. – knows the name Christine Todd Whitman. Probably. Name one governor of any state other than the state you live in and maybe a couple guys from New York. No one can right. do it. <laughs> but right. for some yeah. reason, like, wrestling fans right. know that name. Who's the governor of Wyoming? You know, but we all know Christine Todd Whitman. <laughs> The, the governor of New, New Jersey in the late 90s um, that brought wrestling back to East Rutherford. So. And really changed the percent, like really kind of, you know, besides the 2020 David Schultz, like this was the biggest, like, right. hey, this is what we're doing kind of moment yeah. up until like, you know, with the whole work shoot bullshit that happened in the Attitude Hour. So it really is a very important thing just to run shows in this one state. Yes. But they like, they weren't just running East Rutherford. <laughs> like they were doing every fucking high school gym had, mm-hmm. There was three shows usually, right? Like I've seen wrestling in every high school gym in New Jersey, like because they were just running constantly in that area. Right. So like it does. It's not just the uh, the East Rutherford show, I think. Well, it's so close to hit means they do in Philly, they do in MSG, they do in Hartford, they do in New Haven, they do in Providence, they do in Boston. You know what I mean? So like they're just con- in Baltimore, like they're constantly in that area. So of course they're going to hit it Philly and, and Pittsburgh. So they're of course going to hit it on their path. It's right on the way. So. And it's literally ten minutes from the city, so you're getting all those dudes. I'm sure all the guys from the MSG show. I mean, Vladimir is obviously always at these ones too. And right. I'm sure guys like Damato were taking the train and the co-op and see these things from as far as Long Island, which is not that close to there. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's just an important spot, you know. And it was big. It was a pretty big, I mean, big attendance and stuff like that. So, plus, yep. I mean, there's TV stations around that area as well where they would shoot like, a, right. I think, what was it? A Pro Wrestling USA was over there in like the mid yeah. 80s with that WCW, uh, AWA thing. So yeah. like it's just had, it's just a rich area of that and like there's just so many like there's so many VFWs in that area as well. So like right. wrestling is just constantly all over the place at that area, and that regulated it for them too, right? Like it had to have affected the whole industry. I'm sure. It, yeah, I'm sure it dripped down to yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, all right, Scott. Why don't we start off by going back to this week in history? So it's uh, August 28th, 89 to September 3rd, 89. Uh, tell us what's going on around the circuit, different house shows and events, and then we'll dive into some notes from Dave Meltzer, and then we'll roll mm-hmm. on from there. All right. Well, obviously, it's quiet on the house show front because WWF, obviously, there was no loop on this night because everybody is at uh, the uh, Brendan Byrne Arena in East Rutherford. On a Monday. So, on a Monday night. Yes. Oh, I, bought, weird. I, I bought this show. I paid for it at my house. Uh, I had people over. Uh, I was uber pumped. It's still, to this day, my favorite SummerSlam of all time. Uh, so I was pumped, Rocco, when you picked it. Um, incidentally, I'm if I remember correctly, uh, that GNR that was that was summer '92, that tour. '91, uh, I want to say '91, or it okay. could have been '92. I'm trying to remember. Because I uh, my first concert 
that I paid for was actually Guns N' Roses as well. It was December of 91 at MSG and uh, Soundgarden open. So you and I both have a common love for Guns N' Roses because those were both our first concerts. Um, so WCW did have a taping that night. Not much here, according to HistoryWWE.com, but they were at the Georgia Mountains Center in Gainesville, Georgia, home of a certain AJ Styles. Uh, it was a TV taping. The only two, The only match they have here is the Midnight Express defeated Jack Victory and Rip Morgan. And it said, also included, Sting, uh, the NWA Tag Team Champions, which at the time were actually the Freebirds, Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin, and the NWA Television Champion, which was the Great Muda. Uh, so that's all that we have. So not much of the house show circuit on this day. Of course, no WWF because everybody was at the Meadowlands. Um, Gainesville, Justin. Georgia, a far, a far cry from uh, Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not, not quite in the same way of mine. Yeah, there's, there's no Patterson Plank Road in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Gainesville, Georgia. So, uh, so there we go. So, Jr., what do we have for uh, any uh, tidbits, any herbs, anything to fire up on this? Uh, next yeah, week? no herb yet, um, because he doesn't. I think the archive for him didn't start till ninety, um, so we don't have that. And I will say too, like I, this, obviously, the show is before. My time as a fan, which started right after, but I was kind of in the, it, it was like something that existed to me by this point. So like I knew of wrestling, my cousin would talk about it, my dad would talk about it. It was like, so I was starting to become more and more aware of it. Like I actually remember seeing some of the build to this with the chairs and all that. Like, so I don't know if I was watching random TV at this point or not, but like, I don't, I don't have strong memories, but there's some memories in there. Um, but this is a tape I rented religiously once i got into it like this is one of the top printed shows i probably would always go back to uh whenever i'd go to the video store and get a tape so i, I saw summer some 89 i mean dozens and dozens of times as a kid growing up yep. so this is definitely a show that I've, I've seen even though i didn't see live um the the stars that are on the show are there when i start watching for the most part right so it's, it's right. within my yep. sphere um versus something like we did our last episode from 87 a lot of those weren't there right by the time I started watching. So it was more that I learned about. This is this is right on the cusp of when I'm a fan. So, um, all right. So fun. courtesy, yeah, go Rocco. I was gonna say, it's a good combination of older dudes too. Uh, like mm -hmm. like you still have Andre, but then you have the Rockers and like yeah, like to be a show to like rewatch. Like you know, you got Zeus in the main event, who might not be the best worker in the world, but the undercard is wildly like fun yes. and like yeah, like just the Brainbusters match. Like if you're a young kid and you go like if you've never mm -hmm. seen WCW and you're watching this like. Like that kind of like you're saying earlier, like that's like that's got to be like eye opening. Like wow, that is like I don't know, seeing them there. Well, you can talk about that later too, with the idea of like Shivani being the guy like on the right. on the mic for the first time. Like really, just blows my mind. Like to think of like the most anachronistic kind of thing that you saw live. Like if you didn't watch that live, to me it's like it's like Flair showing up with the belt, Heyman on yeah. Raw, the Georgia thing, which I was in with Vince, like the Black what is it, Black Thursday? It's called like what are those like weird anachronistic things where you're just like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like that this dude is here. And it's just one of those things that uh, always kind of uh, strikes mm. me when I think of this show, but that's a fun, it's gotta be. And he's great right? in this one year he's there. I mean, he's, he's super memorable on this show and Royal Rumble 90. And, um, you know, we're obviously big Shivani fans on this yeah. show. So it's, it's yeah. really cool to have him there, but it is a good cross section. The other car is really good. Even the lower end stuff is still really fun. Like perfect and rooster is quick, but it's fun. Dusty and honky. I, I think the back end is where it drags a little bit like that 
the Hercules match. Um, that sells Garvin at least, which is funny. And then Snooka DiBiase is kind of whatever. But like, so those two at the back end to me slow it down just a little bit. But everything else hits. And I mean, obviously, Warrior Root is awesome. Snooka wasn't even supposed to be on the card. He just used to live in that area and showed up. He used to be a, he used to be a fixture at the diners in that area constantly, dude. Like it was a lot. He he was. There's been some very interesting interactions around that area with Jimmy. Snuka, <laughs> I can only imagine. I've heard you. some stories and seen him yeah. a couple times. Yeah. All right. All right, so courtesy of Scott Keith, our old friend, uh, has the Wrestling Observer flashback. This is from a handful of years ago on his blog, but this is from August 28th, 1989. So it's got a lot of Keithisms in here, so bear with us as we go through it. Um, So this is the day of SummerSlam. Uh, WCW played the wrong tape this week on TBS, airing a show from three weeks prior that included a Ricky Steamboat interview, and nobody noticed while it was airing. This is a TV company running these things. These people are supposed to be in charge of this stuff, and they put the wrong tape in the box and aired it. If that wasn't enough, they did tapings of the show that was supposed to air on August 19th and the show that was to air the week after on August 26th. Not only will 819 never see the light of day, they forgot to turn on the tape machine for the last 20 minutes of 826, which included a huge angle with Dick Slater teaming with Terry Funk to brand Ric Flair. So when Tony says the tape machines are rolling, he apparently is a big fat liar. This is actually the first show under the Flair regime of booking, so not a great start. Dave, I mean, sorry, for- sorry. Yeah, you you no, guys no. both worked in TV. You know that nobody who worked for WCW touched that fucking tape. It was a, you know, it was like some <laughs> random ass intern. Like then blame that on like WCW management. It's such like a stretch. No, like, some guy oh, was making eight, eight bucks a roll. Yeah, exactly, dude. Yeah, yeah. And probably unless they uh, ship the tape, the wrong tape. I mean, that's possible. I guess. Well, that is, but that, still, yeah. it's like it's not like it, it was Dusty Rose or Ric Flair fucking uh, doing that. Sorry. Oh no, no, definitely not. Definitely but it's not. like how they make it seems like the perception that they put out there, right? right. Uh, it starts at the top, Rocco. Dave <laughs> updates us from the UWF Money Train in Japan, which is doing amazing bu- business of millions of dollars per show. It's seemingly set to get a major network deal and take over Japan's wrestling business with a work shoot mentality. I don't think we'll get there before we wrap up 89, but basically in 1990, the market completely died almost overnight, and they went out of business in a shocking turn of events. The opposite of shocking is that we have publicly predicting 1 million buys for SummerSlam 89, which would be an 8% buy rate, which is completely ludicrous. A more realistic number would be 4 to 5%, 500 600,000 buys. The real number would end up being 4.8%, 576,000 buys, which is a very good number. Crazy they were predicting 1 million because when you look at this card, it ends up being a really good show in ring. But there's not really like a super draw on the card. I mean, Zeus, the feud was good. It's not like No Holds Barred was a fucking Oscar winner. I mean, so it's not like... That was this big feud that everyone right. wanted to see it play Hogan and Zeus. Um, you know, Hogan and Savage, I think that feud had kind of died by this point a little bit. So I, I don't know why they would think a million. Like, I don't know what on this card would lead them to think that was even potential. And on Monday night, you know, something that was going to draw that level. Could have just been like how they were promoting it, like the, the juice they were putting behind it. I mean, like you said, you do remember not being a fan, but still being aware of the product at that time. So it could have just been the idea of like, it's kind of like now, right? Where the product is bigger than any single person on a show. So right. it could have just been that kind of aspect. And the builds were really good too. I mean, yeah. I, obviously I'm a favorite of, of the rude warrior match. It's on my G, my GWW top 100. I think I have it in the thirties. Um, But again, I mean, a million buys for that. I don't know about that. No, but. I mean, it wasn't, it was, no one knew it was going to be that great. You know I mean? So it's a lot of this right. show is hindsight, right? Like, like nothing on this car besides maybe hearts and brain busters going into the show screamed like classic. You know what I mean? Like even that six right. minute, the rockers ends up being great, but going in, you're thinking, okay, it'll be, it'll be good. 
Um, but I, I don't think anyone looked at this probably going in as like, oh, some big historical show. And we're really at the tail end of the of the peak years anyway. Like this is it. But 90, they start to bottom out. Um, so we're kind of really starting to reach, you know, toward the bottom of the mountain um, of the, the hot streak before the next one. But hmm. All right. Uh, Dodef is still going ahead with the 1227 No Hose Barred Live pay-per-view and movie Spectacular. They obviously aren't announcing Hogan versus Zeus until after SummerSlam, but that being said, Stockade is December 15th. Two weeks after isn't quite close enough to properly fuck with the NWA, so Titan is aggressively bidding for the Rolling Stones pay-per-view from Trump Plaza on December 16th. I don't know if they end up getting their teeth into that promotion-wise, but they never I never remember hearing anything about it, so I'm guessing they, they get shot out. I, don't, I didn't either, actually. Was that the Steel Wheels tour? That was a big deal, though, right? Because that was like their big comeback. Well, yeah, they, they did a tune-up concert here in Connecticut yeah. at Toad's Place. And they definitely played uh, here as well, if I'm not mistaken, in the metal yeah, but Yeah. NWA announced a bash preview to the highest ratings of any pay-per-view so far. Dave notes is right out of the playbook for reporting these sorts of things for the WWF. The actual number for those point dexters hung up on these facts was 1.5% or 160,000 buys. So that tells you what these two companies are in conjunction to each other. Bash 89 is considered, you know, the greatest WCW of all time, or at least a top three. Um, you compare it to SummerSlam '89, you know what? What is it? A third, third of the number or whatever. So it's well, like you're crazy. saying, it's, this is a down on the towards the uh, not the nadir, but it's going down. Well, that, that was like WCW's. It's my favorite WCW year '89. Creatively, so like, yes, yeah. Like a company, yeah, like, totally. that has so much cool shit going on, and then right. you know drawing so little comparatively, it's pretty wild. Mm. Jake Roberts had a sentencing postponed a month. The WWF is confident that no time will come from it. He's already advertising him versus DiBiase in October. More legal trouble as Andre the Giant was arrested for allegedly roughing up a cameraman who filmed his match with Ultimate Warrior without permission. Made Jordan Duncan. Uh, it all comes back to that match for the, <laughs> the show. I wouldn't want that committed to film either. The cameraman was actually given permission to film crowd reactions, but not the match. He claimed that Andre saw this and attacked him when his back was turned. Andre was charged with assault and criminal mischief. On a totally random note, the Ding Dongs, played by Richard Saratelian and Greg Evans, have been working house shows in the opener for weeks now. Uh, I always thought they did the clash at one TV taping and were gone forever, but I guess not. Dave attended a house show in Chicago, was amazed by Scott Snyder's moves, particularly a flying head scissors type move that Raul Mata used to do when he came to the territory. Of course, it ended up being Frankensteiner. Big Van Vader got the IWGP title back from Ricky Choshu as Inoki continues to play hot potato. Uh, Dan Spivey quit his All Japan gig because the NWA was getting sick of booking around a schedule. Threatened to bring in John Nord to be Sid's new partner in the skyscrapers. Sid and Nord the Barbarian could have been a team, and we were robbed of it. Anyway, Baba replaced Spivey with Todd Champion as Terry Gordy's new partner. Quite the drop-off, notes Dave, in a dry way. World-class championship wrestling TV announcer Mark Lawrence has quit to become a preacher of course, that didn't last long. He's back for 1990. So they replaced him with Tony Adams on our very first show. Skandor Akbar and his thugs beat her up to set up a feud with Chris Adams. And this is really the dying days of oh, world class. Terrible. So those are so Iron Claw. This is uh, this is Fritz at his final moments blaming Kevin for uh, tanking the territory. But this is uh, yeah. And this is post um, merger, right? In '89, where merger with the CWA or whatever. By that point, was that '88 when they do that Continental? Not no, uh, I think it's Memphis. Uh, no Memphis CWA. Um, yeah, you know, what they calling it like WCWA at this point, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was eighty eight, right? Yeah, eighty eight. They call. Oh, actually, it was eighty seven when Rude was champion. They changed it because I, I just watched that. I'm in the middle of that whole timeline. They, um, the show was still called WCCW, but the 
promotion was called World Class yeah. Wrestling Association. And that and they changed that's when they broke off from the NWA and right. Well they, they had like the USWA Memphis, USWA Dallas. Like, was yeah, like and they place. right. And they that's that's this was and they were getting, you know, we were past the whole uh Lawler carry shit so, yeah, super yeah, class that was, and all that crap. This was, yeah, it was this would have been Stone Cold was there with uh, Justin's ECW boy when in the hanging out as tag partners. Uh, Rod Price, I think this would have been right around that era. Probably, right? yeah. yeah. And his uh, his jams shorts tights. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, by the, at this point, I think ninety is when they is when they uh, lock the door to the fucking piss hole sportatorium. But eighty nine is yeah, it's it's not. I I it's not on peacock i think peacock the world class stops at the end of october 88 so i won't be watching right. it after that but pretty much by 89 it's it's garbage i don't know what the, the iron claw movie made me laugh because it's like first of all fritz initiated it with jerry not kevin yeah. so that's a little bullshit. dramatic storytelling there no exactly and secondly it's like it was a piece of crap <laughs> i mean i'm watching it in 88 and it's pretty much fritz von eric the coolest thing in 88 world class is the smo and swat team that's the best yeah, but uh, in their that, minds, it's like any promoter, Stu and Bruce were the same way. Like in their eyes, they're only one hot angle from being back on top, right? That's right, it's exactly. a gambler's mentality with wrestling yeah. promoters, right? Like the next hand is the hot one. So exactly. for them, and, yeah, things may be down, but you're one Freebirds Von Eric's angle away from right heating back up, right? That, that's yeah, the mentality. And it never happened. It never happened. When you had Eric Embry as your light heavyweight champion, he was like 245 <laughs> pounds. It's just not not on price though. Yeah, it's a shame because world class was so cool and like such a fun in its prime. It totally was Rocco. I agree with you 100%. But this 88, not good, <laughs> not good. No, no, they hit the 86. Is it? It's kind of the end, 86 or yeah, 86 because 87 is when Lance is there. They do the fake Fritz heart attack in Christmas of that's 87. When it, yeah, that's when it goes down. That's yeah, that's when it, it was in the shitter. That well, I couldn't a, believe they didn't touch on that in the movie because, like, the they already heart. buried Fritz enough. But I mean, that's honestly one of the worst things he did was the fake in the heart attack. And oh, and totally, that. they don't even get into that. No, um, so not really. Yeah, every document, both documentaries I've seen have mentioned that is just kind of like the oh, like oh, yeah. The WWE and the non-WWE when they both talk about the heart attack. And Lance. Yeah. And yeah, Lance. Lance. Yeah. MJF. MJ. MJ Lance. <laughs> yeah, that's real. Yeah. Uh, down in Memphis, cult favorite Freddie has been teaming up with someone under the Jason mask and feuding with the zombie and the Undertaker. The feud apparently works so well that manager Roddy Gossett is now bringing in the team of Frankenstein and the Wolfman to challenge. That's Freddie and Jason for keeping track. Dave never wants Jerry Lawler to ever call Dirty Product Circus again after booking this nonsense. Dave recaps the rest of Memphis, including Roddy Go with Roddy Gossett in charge. It's just a Vince Russo-style madness. Stuff like Master of Pain, a midget called the Little Road Warrior, wrestling jobbers, Dirty White Boy, wrestling Jeff Jarrett in a hair versus hair match where White Boy has to shave his armpits because he's already bald. Just insanity. Was it Master of Pain, The Undertaker? <laughs> uh, well, it's funny he mentioned The Undertaker, so it must be because maybe he... He said the Undertaker here. I don't think there's zombie a zombie and Undertaker. I'm pretty sure. Well, that's I, I, <laughs> I think you're right, Rocco. I think that's I, when I, like Dutch Mantel like is like doing the yellow dog thing, and he's got like a hood right. on, and he he put he sends them out of the territory. If I'm not we mistaken. know. Yeah, Keith dog. Keith Men says the Undertaker here, but um, I don't I don't think that's the, the case. No, because it's obviously it's right. really funny how WWF really has done a really good job of like just whitewashing his past of like. He was so around up until he mm -hmm. when did he debut in WWF? 90, 
in a 90. November of 90. 90. But he was so Texas like, Red. He was Meemar. You talk about Taker, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Like he yeah, had so Alice and Texas and not just Red. Like some, and, yeah, not just like some random dude who came out. Like he was no. a major part of a lot of He was stuff. in world class. Yeah, he wrestled yeah. in world class actually. He did I he did pretty, I, he did a lot between 87 and like early 90. So you know. I always think it's funny that Pringle was Stone Cold's manager in World Class too. That's an interesting. <laughs> like, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty awesome. Conflagration yeah. of stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, Stampede Wrestling is negotiating with ESPN. That did not happen, of course. Uh, AWA tag titles are vacant after the team of Ken Patera and the Baron defended against the Destruction Crew, ended in a schmaz. Destruction Crew will end up with the titles, which one, leads one to wonder why they didn't just. Well, there's no point trying to figure out Vern Gagne at this point. Uh, Owen Hart was injured by Larry Cameron to send him on his way to Japan. So the feud over the North American title when Owen gets back. Stampede's one last gasp at a main event draw. Kerry Brown did indeed show up long enough to drop the tag titles to Samurai Warriors. So we're only one tag champ away from the end of the promotion. Uh, let's see. For those wondering what Al Snow was doing in 1989, he's working for WWA in Toledo in a pretty boy tag team called the Sensationals. There you go. Uh, Botswana Beast did a tryout for NWA under his real name, Benjamin Franklin Peacock. If that's a real name, why are you changing to Botswana Beast? <laughs> Benjamin Peacock. That is a great name. Uh, he could you bring him back for, for Peacock. I was gonna say that should be the wild that should be the Wildcat Willie of the Peacock uh streaming. BFP, baby. BFP. Uh, coming in for tryouts were Oregon's top gun as a Cuban assassin, plus Kevin Kelly, who bombed, of course, not our friend Kevin Kelly, but no. nails. Uh, Tom Zenk and the awesome duo of the Highway State Patrol. Paul Heyman has basically been fired for his managerial contract. The triumph commentary of Jim Ross to play out is rather lengthy and ironclad deal with the company. Heyman's whole explanation of this time, of course, on the DVD is classic. He's openly talking about what a pain in the ass he was, but they couldn't get rid of him because his dad was a lawyer. It would bring down the litigation. Sadly, the ding-dongs were unmasked at Cleveland, and now the gimmick is officially dead. Butch Reed is returning from his mysterious suspension with former team of Kevin Sullivan, while Ron Simmons is teaming with the Iron Sheik and Cuban Assassin. Or if this is a crazy idea, maybe they could put together Reed and Simmons. Rick Steiner's admirer Robin Green will morph back into Fallen Angel on TV. Not quite. Gary Hart's going to end up managing Dick Slater, Terry Funk, and Gray Buddha as the JTEX. Sadly, the Bobby Heenan show was axed by USA, so the new format of primetime is Gorilla and Piper doing one segment and Bobby Heenan and Rick Rude doing another. And, of course, that's not really what ends up happening. Uh, this was meant to set up Rude versus Piper. DF Jobbers are now being referred to internally as extras by Vince McMahon because he's a movie mogul now. Uh, Steve Blackman is coming in soon. Obviously, that doesn't happen because the poor Mr. Well. Blackman gets uh, sick. And finally, No Holds Barred is pulled from theaters this week for good. Final tally of 16.1 million. Vince openly is trying for sequel. Of course, that never comes. But if you were to believe Herb Coons, no hose bar number two, how much could he take? Ends up being Suburban Commando. Uh, <laughs> working on that part. No holds bar two, how much can you take? How much can you take? Uh, <laughs> there you go. Title yourself. Uh, I was frozen right. today. <laughs> oh, God. So that's it for. Uh, Herb there, of course. You know, I mean, with all the IP, all the IP that gets dragged out with these like the more modern sequels, like that title, just no halls barred with any of dude that they've had wrestling on that fucking roster in the past 20 years. Like they couldn't have just got some dude to make like a, when they were doing the movies and they're doing the see no evils right. with Kane and shit. They couldn't get one Chris Masters. No bar too. Right. Yeah, like they couldn't just do no holds barred too. Like it could have been like a like the fucking Scorpion Kings on like seven right now, but like no holds barred, we still only got the one. Yeah. So 
and the Marine, you know, that's like, yeah, they, right. Yeah. It's like crazy. Well, if they ever do make it Rocco, I'll say this, mm-hmm. I'll be right here waiting. Oh, boy. watch it. Just like Richard Marks is right here waiting. <laughs> the number one song in the nation this week in 1989. You're such a Marxist. Into... <laughs> I haven't missed one. It brings us right into Scott Criscolo's vintage pop culture corner. Oceans apart, day after day, and I slowly go insane. I hear your voice on the line, but it doesn't stop the pain. If I see you next to never, I'm looking at I need, I need someone. I need someone to do me a big favor. And make me one big audio compilation of all my <laughs> all my number one song musicians because I feel like for eight years this is the one thing I've consistently done well, if nothing else, in this genre. The first time I was on the show, I was like listening and I was like, "What the fuck? Why is he talking so weird right now?" I was like, "Oh, he's doing the segue." I was like, "Shit!" So even though I've listened a million times, I did not know that you were doing it. Oh, uh, Rocco, you have no idea how today I have waited all day to do this top ten for you. Oh, shit. This, this is about as Rocco. <laughs> or should I say on Rocco? This is fantastic. So yes, Richard Marks, I want you to do covers for all 10 of these songs. Um, uh, right Here Waiting, indeed, uh, was the number one song by Richard Marks. Great album. Uh, it uh, Eight weeks on the chart. Uh, it was number one last week as well. Cold Hearted by Paula Abdul at number two. Uh, of course, that's from her first album. I believe that was Forever Your Girl. Uh, Hanging Tough. N-K-O-T-B. Uh, the most Rocco of this top 10 list. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Hang It Tough by New Kids on the Block at number three. Don't Want to Lose You by Gloria Estefan at number four. On Our Own from Ghostbusters 2 by Bobby Brown. On our own. Great song. Number five. Secret Rendezvous by Karen White at number six. Uh, Once Bitten, Twice Shy. Once Bitten, Twice Shy by Great White at number seven. Um, the End of the Great Innocence. White, very, by... very infamous here in Rhode Island, Great White. Uh, yes, oh, yes. Yeah, right. Oh, yes. There was a Law & Order episode uh, based on that. Oh, right. uh, the End of the Innocence by Don Henley at number eight. Friends by Jody Watley with Eric B. and Rakim at number nine. And Angel Eyes by the Jeff Healy Band. Not Star quite pretty little Angel Eyes from the 60s, but I'll take it. Uh, no. Uh, at number 10. So there you go. So there's your top 10 for the week ending the previous week, August 26th, 19th. Richard, Richard Marks tours with a sort of, um, what was that, VH1 Storytellers thing? He does an acoustic thing with Rick Springfield. They're a package deal. I know this because they just played Montclair, New Jersey. So they go around, they do their hits, and they talk about them and do like a whole like night with the two of them kind of deal, and then they come out. Um, I do know this also because my wife's uh, mother is a massive Rick Springfield fan and uh, obsessed with the guy. So, but yeah, I mean, still kicking, Marxy. I did not know, didn't anticipate. Is she that. a fan of "Eat Your Heart Out," Rick Springfield? By <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I should have played it for her. For the longest time, when I was a kid, I conflated Rick Springfield and Rick Derringer because oh yeah, like, oh yeah, I still do. Like, they they were the same, and I didn't know much about music, but yeah, so I always conflated those two dudes together. That's funny. I think our our uh, countdown from '87 a couple weeks ago, Scott, I would I'd rank above this one. I think I think that that one was much stronger. Yeah, I think I think it was too. Uh, however, I don't think I think this movie list completely blows away uh, the one from '87. So let's right. go to the big screen and see what was on in theaters uh, for the weekend of August 25th, the weekend that Jet just ended. 
uh, before this Monday of 1989. So at uh, we have a top 12. So here we go. At number 12, Me and Him. I have no idea what that is. Made no money. At number 11, a, a movie that did make a good amount of money and was uh, an incredible film, Do the Right Thing. Uh, number 10, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, number nine, The Package, which was a pretty unheralded Gene Hackman uh, yeah. film. Say, say Anthony Davis, Luger. too, the same, the, same, the same guy who did The, the Fugitive. Yep, yep. Uh, number eight, probably, in my opinion, the best movie the whole year, and that is Batman. Uh, at this point, it was already, I mean, it, was, it had been out for a couple months, and it was still making a ton of money. It's a movie that number changed movie, movies for the next 30 years, right? Pretty yeah, much. pretty much. It, it pretty much did. Yeah, pretty much. Finally, to this past year, because... Uh, the Flash movie, of course, uh, paid quite the homage to the original Batman. Yes. Oh, yeah. He was in I it. heard about that. Because yeah, he was in it. Uh, second straight episode, JR, that we have a Michael J. Fox movie in the top 10. Two weeks ago, we had Secret of My Success. This one's not as funny. Uh, it's not funny at all, really. It's called Casualties of War. I think it's <laughs> yeah, that is not a yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no. not oh, at all. Uh, yeah, so far, Scott has said, uh, Casualties of War is a comedy. And you also earlier said Iron Claw made me laugh, which I know you were using as a transition to their uh, shaky history. Oh no, yeah, no, not the movie was not funny, not at all. But I mean, the, just the the, the the liberal sense of creative license is what made me chuckle about that movie. But that movie did not make me chuckle whatsoever. Um, I guess the only movie, the only part of the movie that made me smile was the end when Kevin was with his kids. It's probably the best part, uh, or the part that made you smile. Anyway, Casualties of War, Michael J. Fox. I think Sean Penn's in it. Uh, that's yeah, number that's a, seven. It's a rough one. Uh, Number six, uh, Turner and Hooch. I, when, cry, I, uh, cry, I remember crying in the movie theater watching that. I had a hard time. Yeah. He, he kills a, the dog jumps and saves his life. Uh, and then the That's little right. puppies at the end. That really uh, hit me emotionally. Yes, it did. Uh, when Tom Hanks was still man. making. <laughs> I was more of a canine fan, though, actually, with Belushi. You know, the uh, it's like the volcano, Dante's Peak, like, <laughs> like Armageddon Deep Impact, but yeah. canine and, and uh, Turner and Hooch. That's right. Um, at uh pretty solid top five here at number five lethal weapon two so we've had a pair of good sequels jr because two weeks ago mm -hmm. uh, in 87 we had beverly hills cop two and now here we are with lethal weapon two uh number four when harry met sally uh great movie and i have sat at that table at uh at <laughs> cat's deli um that in the jenny uh that really tells me whoever you're with didn't have the same reaction well i sat in the oh totally um, we had, she had what she was having anyway. Uh, number yeah, you, three, you were more, you were more the Linda McMahon than the, uh, I think that <laughs> Christy I'm pretty sure that the woman in the booth next to them inspired Chad Campbell's entire sexual history. Uh, after that, so. <laughs> she was going right on the, uh, That's Linda. The, uh, Remember they did the remakes for WrestleMania. It's, uh, yeah. Yep. 20 or whatever. I was that. And he went, fuck Meg Ryan. That's what <laughs> I'm, I'm going on the cruise. Dude. I'm going on the Disney wish with her um, at number three of uh, the abyss. Great, uh, great horror movie. Starting um, uh, Jim Cameron's obsession with the, the sea. <laughs> see, never, yes, exactly. Yep, totally. Never give up on it. Never give up on that. Number two, uh, parenthood mm. and the Heck number one movie of the weekend. Uncle Buck. Um, the scene, the scene of him uh, flipping the the pancake with the shovel was in the trailer, and the scene that I just thought was the most incredible thing as a kid. I was just yeah. like, that's the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. And then yeah, the scene no, where he gets a... uh, hit in the head with the door, he looks like Adam Murray getting up. 
That's a joke for like four, four people. Yeah, I don't understand that joke. That's right. But you know what? It's a crazy joke. Another day, Rocco. We'll, we'll let you know. All right. So uh, why don't we take a look? Uh, again, we were in the summertime, so no NFL uh, currently. Uh, some baseball. Uh, <laughs> some baseball on this date. I can't, I can't make uh, Rocco the, the SD Jones of this podcast. Job into the football picks. Job into the football. He'll do the double. Oh, no, I, they do don't a, single. I do have a massive divot in my back, just like SD Jones. So too. <laughs> Did you have one, one gun or two guns? So. <laughs> it depends who wins who loses. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pimple that's been there for like 40 years, and I just it, it's never gone away. And every girlfriend I've ever had has popped it, and it's never happened. It's never, it just keeps coming back. It's small, but if you know it'll look, it's there. You need a slicer. So, you need <laughs> I juice. Think, you need a gig. Of, speaking of football, for where we are in New Jersey, LT's restaurant was open at the time of this SummerSlam, if I am not mistaken. Yes, so, it was. My brother went. I, yeah. My sister's boyfriend at the time, her his dad was LT's agent, not his sports agent, but his like personal appearances agent. So he would do oh. like when you would do signings and shit like this. And uh, so my sister got to go to the opening of that restaurant and uh Speaking of crime, I believe that is why that restaurant <laughs> closed because I, from what I hear, no the Genovese family had a major part in that. But uh, oh. I did, I get to, did get to see LT once from uh, a distance, and uh, he was a massive. Did, uh, did the Iron Sheik leave his uh, shaving kit from two years earlier <laughs> <laughs> with his gram, with his grams for LT? Um, I'm sure there was a piece of that. All right, so uh, there was some baseball on this Monday. Uh, Red Sox beat the Tigers six to three. Cubs over the Astros six to one. Mets beat the Dodgers one nothing. Twins beat the Mariners 5-4 in 10 innings. A's over the Yankees 7-3. Uh, Braves beat the Pirates 5-2. Padres 9, Expos 4. Phillies beat the Giants 9-1. Cardinals over the Reds 7-2. And the Brewers over the Blue Jays 8-2. So the standings to this point in the 89 season, uh, the Orioles were leading the East by 2 over the Blue Jays, 5.5 over the uh, Red Sox. Uh, Oakland, the defending AL champions leading the West by a game and a half over California and four over uh, Kansas city uh, in the NL East. The Cubs had a two and a half game lead over the Cardinals three over the Expos three and a half over the Mets. And in the West yes, giants 10 games over 500 uh, giants uh, leading the West by four over the Astros and seven over the Padres. It's funny, JR, you were talking about two weeks ago, we were talking about like the weird divisions and mm. you know, forgetting that the Astros are in the American, the national league and the Brewers are in the American league. It's, it's, you know, the Expos were a team <laughs> and the I Expos were a team, which I also wish stayed that way. Would, um, would, Will, would Will Clark have been on the giants at this point? Oh, totally. Yeah. I oh yeah. That too. Oh no, he totally the thrill. Yeah, he well, this is right after they won the world series or, was, or no A's won that. Right? No, this, this is the year they went to the world series. This was the year of the earthquake. You made it the you, in 89. 88 was the A's and Dodgers. Was that what that was? Yeah, that was the Kirk Gibson. Oh, that was like the big famous one, right? Yeah. You mentioned the, the Orioles before, and I'm pretty sure right around this time is the famous Billy Ripken fuckface baseball card, too. Yes. Right? Uh, I had that card. Yes. Oh, damn it. That card Actually, was worth a million dollars for two weeks, and then it went back down to nothing. Well, what happened? You know, it's funny if you, I know, right? What's funny if you look now, I looked it up the other day. Um, there, there were three cards made. There were three cards made. One, actually, you see the fuck face. One, it's scratched, and then there, one, it's blocked out. And actually, the scratched and the blocked out are worth more than the fuck face, which is, I don't understand why, but anyway. Um, but yeah, you're right. That was 89. Um, I see the, I see the fuck face every time I look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> I want the um, Anthony Armento uh, fuck face. It's a Columbus card in my set. <laughs> 
<laughs> hobbies talking about wigs <laughs> in jersey um <laughs> he knows he knows how to prepare a proper burial um anyway there's your <laughs> right on patterson plank road and that is it for your pop culture corner. All right, why don't we head now to East Rutherford. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, town itself as a wrestling hub, and then we will get into the match itself. So East Rutherford, of course, we're talking SummerSlam 89, August 28th. Uh, the city is a regular house show stop for day after throughout their history through the NWA, although the NWA would also run house shows here as well. Following SummerSlam 89, there'd be no televised wrestling event due to tax issues until 1987 when... Christine Todd Whitman revoked the tax concerns by Dodie admitting they were sports entertainment. The city has in total hosted nine WWE pay-per-view events. You guys want to attempt to name them. We know one, SummerSlam 89. We know two, SummerSlam 97. We've talked about them. So there's two. Um, you guys uh, take a shot at the remaining seven? I do know Extreme Rules 14 is one of them. Okay. I was there. One. And that's the, that's yes, that's one. DB versus yep. Kane. Which is there's, two very, there's two very obvious ones. Uh, um, what the fuck? You were at both of them, Scott. East Rutherford, you were at two big shows in the last decade. Oh, oh, I, I'm talking about this building, not. The, oh, the, yeah, okay. East yeah. Rutherford. East Rutherford. We're talking I, was about the think, I was thinking. Yes, I was thinking of the venue. Yes, WrestleMania 29, WrestleMania 35. Yep. Okay. I was at 29. Was 35. Uh, No Way Out 2012. Actually, four more. Yep. No Way Out. So that was three more. Armento was at that. He got me a T-shirt. Um, I was I at that, 2014. I know that there was one where um, what's his face fell through the limo. I was not there, but my friend was there and told me he saw the kid step on it first. Whatever one that was. Who was that? Bradshaw? Uh, no Mercy O Four. Yeah, is that no what Mercy that is? Oh, No Mercy O Four. My buddy was there and he told me he saw the kid like step. Some dude walked on it first. Remember? Isn't that like the story? Like some dude was walking on it and broke I it. I think so. Yeah. Because yeah. like it was yeah. 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 He, I, I don't. The day after know. the uh, RSC movie. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, 98, 99. Uh, I'll just give it to you. It'll be all night. SummerSlam 2007 was there. And then uh, one of the best shows that was probably oh, there, uh, other than the two SummerSlams, King of the Ring 2001. Uh, of course. Oh, yeah. The, the triple threat. Shane went through the glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The city also hosted a series main event two times after the tax issue was lifted. Uh, would also be hosted numerous TV shows. On April 22nd, Brutus Beefcake was on the Brother Love Show, continuously called Sherry Scary until Savage attacked him and cut his hair. On Sunday's main event, Slick would bring out Zeus as a surprise before Hulk Hogan's cage match with the Big Boss Man. Zeus attacked Hogan before the match. No Holds Bar the movie released on June 2nd. And then on June 28th, Randy Savage took Zeus under his wing due to their mutual hatred of Hulk Hogan on Wrestling Challenge. On July 8th, Superstar Savage and Zeus challenged Hogan to Beefcake to a match at SummerSlam. A week later, Hogan and Beefcake accepted. At the following Saturday's main event, Beefcake defeated Savage by disqualification. Zeus got involved, and Hogan made the save, with Zeus no-selling the chair shots. And, of course, they would spend the next month hyping on TV with promos. Uh, those notes, of course, courtesy of our good friend, Mr. <laughs> e. Riddle. Your segue skills were not as good there, because I was like, all that shit happened in East Rutherford. <laughs> 
<laughs> like that, they did this whole feud in East Rutherford, New Jersey. I like to keep um, it guessing. I mean, East Rutherford, real quick for uh, if you for Sopranos fans, uh, the racetrack was where uh, uh, Newark Airport in the season finale where Livia gets arrested. They use the racetrack there because there's the the racetrack is right next door. That's so right. They use that instead of that, but yeah. Um, what was another East Rutherford thing I wanted to mention? Oh, uh, Jim Powers lives there currently. My friend just did his cable. Uh, oh, all right. <laughs> really? That's yeah, awesome. My friend's a cable guy. He says, uh, he, let Marty sleep now. He may go stalk him. Oh, <laughs> he gives me enough cash. I don't know. And uh, Dick Vitale, I know, coached there. And I know he grew up in Jersey, but he coached there because when I wrestled there one time, there was pictures of him everywhere. And it was like Dick Vitale, like, like this is like the 70s or the fucking 60s. Right. But. And uh, Steve Macklin, Impact Star, grew up in Rutherford, New Jersey, because he was my my ex-girlfriend's boyfriend's best friend growing up. And I would see him all the time when he would come back from the military. So, And like I said, G GCW essentially started in that area. Carlstadt, I think, was the first GCW shows when they're called Jersey Championship Wrestling. Yep. And, uh, you know, so just a little more Rutherfordian uh, information for you right there. Yeah, it's a big, big hub. I mean, it was a wrestling, it's been a wrestling hub for decades, you know, it's... Let's talk more about it while we watch, uh, as we got a little bit of a, a lengthy watch here. So we got SummerSlam '89 queued up on Peacock. Uh, we're at two fifteen even. Kind of got the four principals and Sherry in the ring um, to get going. You guys queued up? Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. Let's count us down in three, two, one. Play. So obviously, this continued the trend, uh, two-year trend now, of having a big main event tag match at SummerSlam. The year before is Mega Bucks, Mega Powers. Uh, you guys were watching at the time I was not. Did this feel as big to you as that one? Did it feel like it was like, oh, another big SummerSlam main event? Or did it feel like to try to recreate the wheel a bit? Like, how did that hit with you guys, this feud versus that feud? I, I got to be honest. I felt this feud was bigger, I, I believe it or not. I think that the Saturday Night's main event, uh the one this from, one felt bigger I, than the mega box i feel i do because and i hate to say this i think because of the mega powers and of savage and i think it goes back to that science main event at the end of may when um when zeus you know the move me and then and then uh hogan gets beat down and then that science main event and this is all jesse this is all jesse when when uh when hogan hits him with the chair and uh, and and Jesse goes, uh, you know, Zeus is smiling at him. Like, yeah, they what little things Zeus did, at least did well in that stretch. I think really pumped this thing up to like mm -hmm. insane levels. I feel like because Hogan wasn't there for all of the summer of '88 because he obviously was doing this movie. Um, it Savage did a lot of the yeoman's work on camera. I feel like as I'm because I'm re, I've been rewatching '88 a year, and he didn't come back till. Right. Early July. So mid July. So um I feel like he was more here. Obviously he was champion. Um I my personal opinion is I think it's cause Zeus was they made Zeus just such a menacing presence that it really built it up to to uh like a crazy level. So I mean, all the stuff they did did really sell. It. I mean, I definitely was falling out. I guess I'm not falling out, but I was just I was I was getting into sports more and music and movies and stuff like right. that around this time. So the idea of him being the character Zeus kind of just angered me a little bit as a kid. I think it was like one of those first times where I was really becoming aware of other cult, pop culture and stuff like that. And I don't know, something about it when they were doing that, like it just really 
Well, it's weird that he's Zeus and Hogan's not ripped. Why wasn't he just Hogan in the movie? Like exactly, just, and it's like yeah. it could have been solved in a way of saying like he's because like I knew who he was. Like right. I had seen him on Webster, I'd seen him on First and Ten, I'd seen him in Armed and Dangerous. Like it wasn't like he was someone that no one had ever seen before. I mean, he's a pretty right. noticeable dude if you see him in the movie. Right. So like all they had to do is just be like, he's a guy who's delusional who thinks he's this character, and that right. would have just made it so much better. But it's like last action hero shit. And it really fucking like he just came out of the movie, so it was just really weird to me at that time. And it like it just it did seem important, but it just seemed like a thing where I was really starting to think about stuff a little more. And I think that caused. Did a, Savage still feel like a a threat to Hogan to you at this point too? I mean, he because always I, did, but yeah, yeah, it did make it seem like he's so far removed from the main event and just dealing right. with Hogan now it does seem like kind of like and he's kind of like he lost his chick. He's hanging out with Sherry, who's cool, but like. Yeah, I mean, it does. It does. There is like a little bit of a downgrade. He needed I mean, muscle. It, well, yeah, it right, feels yeah. a little bit right. That too, but it feels like a guy in a spiral. You almost, you kind of hit on it there, Rocco. But it feels like a guy who's lost his identity, and is trying to figure out what he is now. Right. So he he picks up this new crazy chick. He's trying to get back at his old buddy. Then he stumbles into becoming a king. Like, like he seems like a guy that kind of loses his path a little bit and tries to get there. So I mean, this is obviously pre-king, right? He's still Macho Man. Um, which you don't get a ton of, like heel Macho Man post Mega Powers. Like it's not a lie; he's Macho King pretty quick here. So mm-hmm. it's just brief little run. Um, I will say these are like my favorite though, other than the classic purple with the three stars. I love this Macho Man gear with the the silver. He didn't wear it nearly enough. Yes. The silver and black. I, I mean, you could you. say you could say something about the fact that he and silver and black. It's like it is showy, but it's very. It's not his old style. And like right. Wiz comes out in all red. Like that's a wild dress. She probably like, you know, that's a very evocative dress and they're all in silver. It's a, it's interesting when you look at it. This is, we, we didn't mention that, but yeah, Hogan and Brutus brought out Liz as a surprise because she was pretty much done. But once five ended, she doesn't really stick around with them um, much longer. But they, uh, she, um, was a big surprise here. It has the really infamous uh, pre-match promo. Beefcake says the the headlights on the oh, the big shit. headlights on the motorcycle or the fuck. Yeah. About Liz's boots. Isn't this when they're like they're coming down ninety five and swimming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and get the headlights. You know, Brutus is in the back and Elizabeth's got the headlights or whatever the fuck. Yeah. It is. And he quotes Running Man too, right? Doesn't he do that? The blade is a part of me. That's like all. The blade is a part. Yeah, the blade is part of me. <laughs> And he's I know, like, I remember, it's like, I got this, I got this hot thing behind me, or legs wrapped around me. I'm like, yeah, I remember too, his, like oh. as I was becoming a fan of this time, one of the big rumors, at least in my area, was that Hogan and Beefcake were brothers and Liz was their sister. That was a big, that was a big like sixth grade rumor, or whatever the hell that was fifth grade rumor. At oh, yeah, that definitely was a thing. That was like tantamount to like DiBiase was a, a millionaire in real life kind of thing that you don't right. hear. I don't remember the set. I don't remember the Liz was their sister part, but I do remember the Hogan and uh, Beefcake were brothers because they used to talk about them. They used to like allude to that even in the mags that they were right. related. Well, you so. called it Brother Brutai. Brother Brutai. The yeah. uh, Sh- Sherry was an inspired choice for Savage Joe because I-, I don't think I ever had the appreciation for their act, Scott, until. You know, if I had to put like a top five things together that I learned when we did that journey through like all the MSGs and, and really yep. going through this era yep. was how great they were as a team. And mm-hmm. because of it, I raised her way up on my GWE list because she's such an active part of their um, package. Totally. She's not just a manager. She's like involved in the matches and they have such a rhythm 
and a cadence to how they worked together. It was, I agree. It was really like musical, <laughs> you know, it was like the way they would come in and out and she'd get in the ring and sneak in. Like it was such a really well done team. And early on, they kind of portray her as like crazy, right? She's doing the witch's cauldron and all that stuff. And right. Um, they, they kind of get away from that a little bit after this, when they get to the queen stuff. But um, I, I thought it was a great choice. Like, I don't think they could have found a better potential manager for him as a heel. Well, it's like one of those things that you're saying where it's like almost like a Fonzie and Sabu RVD thing where the the act right. is so intrinsically tied to each other. Where Bobby was great to be with like right. Andre and stuff, but he didn't have to cheat for Andre and Hawk, like, you know, but like, right. it's like the way that they would really time the way they did stuff and how it hurt cheating was, uh, you know, really a fucking masterwork. Yeah, it was brilliant. I, I remember I remember fighting with Aaron when we did our list on No Holds Barred about why I had I think I had her like in the 60s or 50s. I'm like, you if you watch that, she's such a, a wonderful performer in that, and he's a main event guy, and she's part of that act, you know. Like she's just as big a part of his story as Liz is, because without her at seven, the Liz thing would have resonated, but that's a big part of it, is like this woman who it's like your buddy, right? He had this great girlfriend, they break up, and he kind of finds this this other girl or or slipping around, girl finds a guy, right? That's like toxic for them they're kind of crazy like you know whatever and and, and then he finally realizes it or, or whatever and she th turns on him it's it like plays out this perfect liz savage story i don't think resonates as much without him having those two years of being tied to this fucking maniac girl you know that that drives him into insanity as well right yeah, if you're a fan from long back you know that she was like she's the one she went crazy first you know and then brought yeah. him down like do you think that Zeus need like the fact that he never wrestled a match before this, right? That always kind of that kind of annoyed me too. Where they like right. kind of one of those things of like tell show don't tell, where it's like they never show him just sm smushing jobbers or anything. He just all of a sudden is this guy who's impervious to pain, which is the thing I always hate. I always it bothered well, and, me. And really, pain. he died in the movie, so why is he even here? <laughs> yeah, it's true. But like, yeah, that, the whole logic of that doesn't make sense. But yeah, it's it's. You never even got to see anything, I guess, probably because he couldn't do much. But, you know, they call him like a wrecking machine and he's impervious. And right. he, he sells some chair shots. No, he no sells chair shots. And I do like one of the first things I really remember seeing as a fan is going to the uh, stop and shop there, the video store. And I'd go hang out in there. My mom was like, check it out or whatever. And I looked through the tapes and, and there was one guy who would actually I would work with later when I started working there that ran the video store uh, was a wrestling fan. And he. Uh, would all, always have tapes playing on the TV in there. And one was, it must have been Hulkamania tape because I don't think there's any standard main events tape. And it had the whole get boss man cage match. And that was one of my first experiences was watching that Zeus being on the stairs, hitting Hogan right. in the in the traps, and then the superplex in that match, which of course is awesome. Um, but that was my first like exposure to Zeus at the time seeing that. Uh, and that's a great side main event. It's one of the best side main events of all time, that, that summer of 89 one. Um, yep. that has that angle. And then uh, I don't know if you guys believe in the rumors or not that Hogan Zeus was considered for WrestleMania six. Like, I don't know if, if you think that was legit or not. I'm sure it may have been a conversation maybe at some point. I don't know if it was ever on the booking sheet, but oh, I could believe it. McMahon totally believing that that would draw. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do, but it must've been before this match. Cause I can't see anybody wanting <laughs> the singles match with these two after he had already pinned them. I don't know because they yeah. keep him rolling. I mean, they keep it rolling into survivor series. I know they wanted to do the pay-per-view like we talked about earlier with this, with the Scott Keith notes, but they wanted to do um, obviously still sell the pay-per-view and mania is not that far from there. So like, I don't know. They keep them, they keep them cooking a little bit. Maybe they figured he's fine enough in this match that they could spend six months savage working with him. 
DiBiase working with him to get him to a one-on-one. And he might but not man, have been right, willing right. to do that either. He was a working actor right. too. Like he right. might not have been willing to just go train in a fucking gym with like Savage or somebody to get to the point where he could actually have a singles match because I could not. That would be one. That what, might what a bomb that would have been. I mean, WrestleMania <laughs> 6, one of the greatest men events in company history with Hogan Warrior. Imagine if you get Hogan Zeus instead. I mean, that God was a level of crap. But. I mean, could you imagine if they still need – I mean, you could probably get away with a Hogan Zeus singles match for maybe five, six minutes, but imagine them trying to do – I think no. Hogan Warrior ended up being like 26 minutes. That would have been absolutely I harder. mean, they could have done it at like the main event in February. I could, I could so see it Hogan being like a, like a Saturday Night's main event where it's the first right. match and the crowd is hot as fuck, but like yeah. a, th- a three-hour like mania at the end of a night. Where, I mean, yeah. crowds were always hotter back then, but it just is like – I could see Vince like just obsessed with this dude, right? Like he, the, yeah. He's got an eye and it's grotesque and like – he really like <laughs> you know like I can see Vince and he's like oh he looks like Bert and or Frida Kahlo like, like oh you know bro it's disgusting like you can really see <laughs> Vince getting into something like that and just being like set dead set on it because that's how he does he's done it a million fucking times after that right I, I mean the Savage is fantastic in this match too like he's, oh, he's just carrying champ. everything and you can tell him constantly kind of whispering to Zeus trying to direct the ship um you could look at that as like he's like the gary hart talking to abdul the butcher or someone oh totally yeah but also he's definitely just telling him what to do next right yeah 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 but but it's covered to your point there's a cover for right because zeus is kind of a novice so savage of course is going to tell him what to do and and savage is the unhinged one and he's in charge of this monster so the dichotomy that is really cool but like it's always with the gesticulations like i guarantee vince was telling zeus to walk like their shit in his Right. do the the wild fucking akimi type things like it's just like it's just so over the top that i don't know it just always bothered me as a kid i don't know i, I think i was being too uh harsh on it in a nostalgia lens i see it much better but i also noticing like you forget you always whenever you watch these you always go wow randy savage is like the fastest most like oh god his speed is insane yeah the rapidity which he goes and does stuff but like you forget that Hogan's a fucking like a super athlete yeah, yeah, too, yeah. right? Like it's like he's keeping up with Savage, dude. And like it's yeah. but Sa- Savage is always like just insane when you rewatch this stuff and just realize. Yeah, he I totally mean Savage. Is. One thing Hogan's underrated is his cardio. Like you always oh. hear about Flair and all these guys, but like I mean, I know Hogan doesn't have an hour long match, but he goes at a decent clip for like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Quite and he's often, carrying like a hundred extra pounds on him too. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the fucker does the, like the leg drop. He is as high as the top rope when he does a leg drop. Um. Obviously, big point in this match, Brutus was hit with the purse, with uh, mm-hmm. Sherry's purse, and he's out cold. And I love, uh, there's a point in the match where Tony starts trying to justify what's in the, Jesse's like, come on, Shivani, it's right. a purse. And, and Tony's like, well, I might have a compact, maybe some lipstick. He's trying to like justify <laughs> the inventory of the purse. It's actually really funny. But like it's yeah. funny when you're when you're a kid, like the idea of a loaded item is just like no one else who doesn't watch wrestling knows what the fuck you're talking about. It's like, yeah, it's like the, the Christy boot. Todd Whitman. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like <laughs> it's this weird logic in this world we live in of these things we know that nobody else knows. It's a know? loaded nope. boot. What does that mean? Well, if you if you kick your foot, it's a loaded mask. So there's a thing in the mask that doesn't hurt there's you, but hurts your metal opponent. Yeah. The uh, one of the indelible memories I have of this era here is Beefcake. He did it a minute ago um, on Zeus's back with a sleeper. I always thought it was really cool that he was like. I mean, it's like impressive on Zeus's part, but him carrying Beefcake around as he's putting the sleep because he did it on Saturday's main event as well. He does yep. it here. I thought it was a cool spot. Um, Beefcake taking the heat makes all the sense of the world, obviously, in this match. Keep him away from Hogan as long as possible. Right. And I mean, do, do you feel like this feud into No Holds Barred, the movie, the match, like, did, did it do its job in getting Beefcake to the next level, being Hogan's buddy? 
Um, for Beefcake, yeah. I mean, he was not going to be the number two guy because at this point, obviously, the number two face was Warrior and that wasn't changing. Right. So this is just, I mean, if it was elevating Beefcake from, you know, maybe like fifth to third, yeah, well, trying to get him to like the Jake level, right? And and yeah, and Warrior is really going to be a one A one B. Like I don't think he's even number two because right. I, I think they were trying to get Beefcake up to that IC top guy level, right on the cusp of a main event. And I do think, I do think this run gets overlooked because Beefcake became such a joke later with all the WCW shit and the parasailing. Like, Ooh, like man. I think all that crap makes him a joke. But I think up to that point of the summer of ninety. I do think this partnership got him pretty over. Like this yeah. Survivor Series, he's a he's super over in that opener Survivor Series. The movie, the match, and then they they do a nice job of siphoning him into perfect off of Hogan perfect into Beefcake perfect. Yes. That poppy gets a six is huge, and I remember being stoked. Like I was ready for him to beat perfect for the IC belt at SummerSlam, and that's what was going to happen, no doubt about it. So the question to me is, where does it go from there? Do you think they, you think he could have used like a, a feud just with Savage after this, maybe to really push him as like a solo feud with a top guy would have been the thing. Well, they really kind of did it over the summer, though. That was kind of the feud. They kind of transitioned Savage off of Hogan a bit into Beefcake. Um, but not with like a big pay per view match or anything like that. I mean, like a big. I think like, this was the closest they got yeah. to that. Yeah, I mean that might have been the thing. This is like before the era of like having a great match with a top guy could just kind of get you over. You know what I mean, kind of right. thing. So it's yeah, more no, you're right. No, you're right. I don't think he needed it because I think by the time he gets to the perfect feud, he's he's pretty over at that in that feud. Um, again, I, I and I think his IC title ring goes better. I think Tornadoes is only crappy. And and Marcus and I talked about this in this last season of WWE War that we're, we're doing 1991. Um, we talk a lot about the Tornado title reign, and I, I think it only runs it only ends abruptly because just they couldn't trust him with any sort of serious no, he role was, he was a, in the no, company he was, a mess. he was a mess yeah and we saw him at that christmas visit <laughs> oh no yeah he was a complete mess so like um i think i think beefcake's ic title run goes longer i think he keeps it probably till mania like i don't know if perfect gets it back or maybe perfect wins it back a mania um I, I don't know where beefcake goes from there i i think he's i think he stays as like a big star for them for a few more years honestly riding off the coattails of that run do you think if god eric didn't come in he would have just been that they would have just made that his part. Beefcake? Yeah. Well, I think Beefcake does way more than Tornado did. Tornado was coming in anyway, but he just takes that title match because Beefcake got hurt. And then they he they, they can't oh, trust him. They they did it for the pop. Um, so Beefcake was gonna win at SummerSlam and be the IC champion. So I I do think yeah. he uh, so probably had a longer he, run than Von Eric had because Von Eric fucked up and right. They just I knew they you. could trust him. They did it for the gotcha. pop. Um, so yeah, I think Beefcake's actually goes longer. And I think he stays, you know, I think he stays the star longer because I think that run solidifies him. If he never gets hurt, if he just stays the kind of level he was at, he was over, he was healthy. Like, I, I think he, I think he's there at least until Hogan leaves in 92. Um, and I think he's in a much higher position than he, than he was otherwise. Sorry, watching Sherry take that bump. Oh, it's a great bump. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, the thing with Zeus being the – one thing that bothered me about this is Zeus is the monster that can't feel pain, and then all of a sudden it's just like a clothesline and he feels pain. Like, I feel like a really right. cool thing to do would have been to be like, he doesn't feel pain. And if you had him, like, smushing jobbers or something, like, a little longer, and, like, Hogan's like, I got to learn a new move to take down Zeus, something like right. that would have been just like – you know, like the Axe Bomber, right? That was just – Yeah, yeah reset the Axe Bomber, yeah. Yeah, like, you, I love like the his burning hammer. 
but yeah, this I is love the chaos one. of this finish. Like Sherry gets thrown in, Beefcake knocks Savage off the rope. He slams him on the floor, which he didn't even get, but it looked cool from what we saw. Yeah, Savage um, almost crushed his steps all over. Shivani loses his fucking shit at the end here. I love it. It's one of my favorite Shivani calls. He picked him up when he slams him. He's losing his fucking mind. Um, you got, you got Hogan. <gasps> what is this? Well, and I love this because already it, it shows you that Sherry is an active participant where Liz wasn't, right? She's in the ring, an active competitor at the end. Like, she's part of the unit that's that's fighting. You know what I mean? She's part of the... Well, she's willing to, to sacrifice herself for the, the cause. Yeah. And that's a great <laughs> shot. Liz, Liz Clocker yeah. with the purse was great. I mean, definitely one of the first instances of man-on-woman violence in the WWF ring, right? Like, mm-hmm. does he toss her before this or is this after? Is that after this? No, because they cut. I think it's they after cut her. Uh, after they this? cut her ponytail. No, you no mean I mean like, yeah, yeah, I mean chronologically. Um, yeah, so that's pretty wild to think of. Uh, giving her the old atomic drop. But you gotta, <laughs> I'm just gonna stab him with. But also, you have to understand too is she was a wrestler. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you know, it's not like it's not like Elizabeth getting up. Uh, yeah. But still, they were doing a lot of man woman stuff. And here we go. No. Of course, she's got the hair extension. But it's like five years later, when Francine's getting super off the top. Pitbulls. Yes. Yeah. Um, and a good payoff here with them cutting her hair. And, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a, little, a great event. It's a little mean spirited to have two muscular dudes cutting a chick's hair off, but I mean, she <laughs> did fuck around and, uh, you know, um, she found out. So if they, now here's my question though. Now, if they really, if Vince really felt like he wanted Hogan Zeus at, at uh, WrestleMania 6, you could still have Zeus get hit with the purse, but why don't you have, Savage eat the pin. Like yeah, I mean, Hogan already kicked Hogan already kicked right. out of his fucking elbow and made him look like a <laughs> yeah. Right, but you know, if you're right. match, if you're trying to protect Zeus to be the guy that that Hogan faces at WrestleMania, why would you have him? Yeah, but it's a tag. I think they could say, well, the whole, they hit him with the purse, and the just makes you forget instantly, right? Like a super yeah. like any people in this crowd remember that Zeus just got pinned. It's like what yeah. we just saw it was wild, you know. I mean, I think your thought process is right, Scott. I just think that yeah, they yeah. had to, like, this match was sold on Hogan Zeus. So I think they had to pay it off in some way. Yeah, um, no, I understand. I get but it. But I think they get explained it with the purse. It was chaotic. <laughs> and uh, the he gets the shot Plus, without beefcake and the purse and all that. Do you think that's the, the only joke is, is uh, Hogan putting Sherry's hair in his head? Yeah, is that, like, the <laughs> only time he's ever acknowledged his baldness? Is, like, that one <laughs> moment of levity, right? Like. Until he wears Until the Kurt Angle in 2002. <laughs> <laughs> like, you always hear that's like his thing, but mm. then it's like, that was a pretty funny thing he did. A little self effacing holster moment right there. Yeah. I think yeah, just what you're saying thing. about the beefcake thing is like, I think maybe it was the barber aspect of it really hindered his believability to me as a kid at this point, where it's like, it's such a dumb thing that he should have stopped doing it. It's good for this angle here, but like, he does not need to be coming. To see, re- when I came in though as a fan, it was off of the heels of this. It's uh, him cutting genius's hair was a big thing. Like, so to me, it wasn't, he was so established. I didn't see him transition from heel and then start becoming a barber. Like to me, that was just like a gimmick. It was almost like a mob name, right? Like Frankie the Baba, right? It was like kind of <laughs> Brutus the Barber. You know, it was like when the I Baba. started watching, to me, it was so established that it didn't, it didn't feel like a silly thing to me for whatever reason. And he was also my favorite guy, like right away. So I didn't, he was like my first favorite dude, so. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, like I said, I was kind of like, my my love of uh, WWF was just getting sidetracked, and I was trying to, like, just, I think I was, like, at that time, like, 1989, like, just think about, like, musically and movie-wise, like you were saying, but I think just more, I, I was getting into music, and, like, think of, like, uh, like I don't know, 
De La Soul had come out and uh, Two Life Crew and Paul's Boutique. And like all this, like new, like I was watching music become more evolved and I noticed like the wrestling wasn't and it was almost like going backwards in a way. And I think it was bothering me as like a kid who was trying to, you know, like establish myself as an adult, you know? So like seeing the Zeus thing kind of was like, I don't know. Like I'm trying to think back at the time, you know, I don't think right. of it. I don't even think it was an active thing, you know, it just it took me out. And then these little things like that in the bar brass, like and some of the goofier things they were doing. Yeah. Just kind of like, always kind of bothered me a little bit now, but watching this now, it's fucking amazing. Look at this crowd. Everyone, like I always say, like if the crowd's loving it, then what the fuck does it matter what I'm saying in 1923, right? 24. It was a good first shot too. He really good. Oh yeah. That was right in the jaw. Holy yeah. Shit. Yeah. He cried. He cried. All right. Good. Let's, uh, uh, so who's our MVP here? I think it's going to be Savage, right? Knocked his eyeball straight. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, he was uh, he was awesome. except he hit him with the other side, but yeah, yeah. Savage, Savage carried this match for he was awesome in the whole match. Yeah, you know, we didn't see that slam on the floor, but Beefcake had him up because you just see Savage go up and down in the in the front during the end there, and he that's a bump you don't even see. You know, I think I probably missed that the, the first like couple times I even watched this, right? Like, I'd yeah, yeah, I, I think that was the first time I noticed it too because all of a sudden you see Beefcake. You see, Sa you see Savage's legs go up and the beefcake going like this, right when he's hitting him with the uh, purse. So, I mean, I'm um, paying attention to uh, this uh, these uh, thigh high uh, stockings <laughs> on, on, on Sherry too, like which is a, another thing. Like the sexuality that Sherry brought mm -hmm. to wrestling can't. Oh, yeah. It's another thing. Like you're talking about the package with Savage that really can't. Yes, see, they just showed. Uh, well, Liz yeah. is like the the hometown girlfriend, right? Lady high school sweetheart, and then he like. She they break up and he gets in with this like crazy ass fucking townie chick, right? That's just like brings him up a level, right? And breaks him out of his whatever. well, just even to the promotion. Right. So I guess not fantasy booking, Randy Savage's love life, but <laughs> um. yeah, but just the way he, like what she brings to the, the company too is like a very yeah. like it's uh, a hallmark sexual. movie, really. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna go three seven five on the match for me. I, I that's I think that's a good little nestle. Yeah, story. I feel like I gave this match a four back in the day, but yeah. I mean, you take all the components and put them together. Like, it's such a great moment in time. And if you look at it as, like, Savage at work rate, the story, oh, the, yeah. the, the craziness, the Zeus and Liz coming out, like, uh, kind of like Shania Twain in it. She's got her own group. She's got a, <laughs> yeah. Stella's got a group back. And Sherry's, like, it's just such a perfect, like, conflagration of fun-ass shit to watch. Yeah. All right, that'll do it. Scott, we'll be back in two weeks. We're going to load up the van, head on to another new town. We'll leave Rocco behind in East Rutherford, but it was great having you here, buddy. Check out Everything Chained to the Dead. You want to tell us where to find you really quick? Find that on any social media platform. Go to iTunes or Apple Music and that's the same shit. Uh, any, any musical place and you can find us on there for free. And if you want to buy merch, you can go to Bandcamp, which is a place that independent music acts, sell their merch and stuff. So, And that money goes right to us, not to uh, a .001 cent like Spotify. Because. All right, very good. Check all that out. Check out everything at the Place of Nation Wrestling Podcast Network and everything on North South Connection video as well and audio. Just, just listen to it all. We get you covered. A lot of cool stuff. Watch it all as well. You'll find us across everything. Till then, everyone take care. Scott, happy 13th birthday. Another you too, my year bro. in the books here at the Place to Be yes. Podcast. You spent it in Jersey, yeah. the greatest state in the union. So yeah. great thing. Where else would we where else would we celebrate? And it was really the birthplace of Place to Be Nation. Was in East Rutherford as well, so there's oh, a lot of ties all this. See you guys cool. in Asbury Park in a few in a few months. Eh, a lot of cool continuity. So, all right, we're out. Talk to you in a couple weeks. Yeah.